With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is smooth, David Deal. Yes, it is. But you know it's not smooth? The Giants taking Daniel Jones. <laughs> uh, boy, we didn't take too long to get right into that no, no. one, did we? So let me, uh, what's up, everybody? How the homies doing? How you living? How you feeling? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man. It is David Deal back again. We were texting. We text a lot. Yes. And then before the draft, I was like, bro, can't believe y'all are going to take Daniel Jones. And you shot me back a text. You're like, Smoking mirrors. Smoking shut mirrors. Up. Shut up. And after it happened, we got on the phone. And <laughs> because I, I'll, I busted your balls the first time you came in here. Yeah. And just as an Eagles fan, as of a course, Giants fan. Of course. Of course. But you do work with the, the Giants. Yeah. You were doing their show online that yeah. night. And I know a lot of people want to hear. I hear you've turned down some interviews. Yeah, I've turned down a bunch. You're As save, of today, you're I saved everything juice. for an Eagles fan. How about that? I appreciate that. <laughs> but I think we're, we're wrapping up the draft. Everyone's looking over their halls and they're seeing what they got. But undoubtedly, I think Cleveland Farrell shocked a lot of people. Yes. But I think when you looked at the Raiders Hall and you saw him, uh, Josh Jacobs, and my guy Jonathan Abram, you went. It made sense. Leaders, vocal, and you don't want to miss on number four, so I get it. And positions of need now. All made sense. Correct. But six Daniel Jones. I, think, I love the little smirk as you say that every time. Every time. Six Daniel, Daniel Jones. I think it still has people in shock. It does. I think that we all saw the video from the Giant Stadium of, of booze. Um, people are alleging the Manning family has ushered this guy in. I'm going to open up the floor. What was your gut reaction before they took it? What did you think they were going to do and after it happened? Well, gut reaction when I'm sitting there watching the draft unfold and I see Devin White go five to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which you and I talked about, perfect fit, yep. falls right into place, replaces Quan Alexander. Exactly and, and what Todd, Bowles needs. Todd Bowles yep. needs him. You have him and Levante David. You have JPP. Now you have a semblance yep. from the front to the middle to the back end of a defense. Made complete sense. Giants sitting at six with both Josh Allen and Ed Oliver. It's a, right it's in a front perfect of scenario. It is like getting the the golden ticket oh. from the Willy Wonka. <laughs> because that is the exact spot that you need a player need that, of all the times, fits the value. That yeah. was the whole thing that we heard throughout the entire process yeah. is value. Cleveland We're not Farrell pushed down game changers to six. And we're not going to sit here and talk about this person need we're going to talk about value when you sit there and you can tell me that josh allen at number six doesn't have a better value than daniel jones then we've got issues yeah because 
what did the Giants need last season and over the last two seasons yeah. where they lost over 16 games in the fourth quarter? They needed that pass rusher. They needed that guy on the edge that could affect the quarterback and do it time and time again, especially when you traded Olivier Vernon yep. to the Cleveland Browns, got Kevin Zeitler in return, which is a great, Not, it, great return for the New York Giants. It's a good return. It is a very good return for if the Giants. If you want to win now. If you want to win thing. now. So you get the Kevin Zeitler. Giants, by the way, 30th in sacks last year. You don't have Olivier Vernon. You have the most elite speed pass rusher on the board waiting for you. You know, you usually break down pass rushers three. Speed, power, combination. Speed, I had Josh Allen, number one. Power, I did have Farrell, number one. Mm. Combination of both, Nick Bosa. Mm. So at that point, sitting at six, you have the, the combo guy gone. You have the power guy gone, but you have a homegrown Montclair, New Jersey prospect sitting right in your lap. Yeah. He grew up, like, really close to the stadium. Less than 10 miles away from the stadium. Yeah. And you went with Daniel Jones. I understand that you felt that it was a need. I understand that if you believe that's your guy, you're going to go up and get him. But I'm not surprised by the Giants' reaction. I'm not surprised fans the fans' reaction. I'm not surprised about it whatsoever. Because I called you expecting you to defend Daniel Jones, and you didn't defend no, him. No, because at that point, I can't defend Daniel Jones. Because now at that position— By the position, way, it's not defending Daniel Jones. It's defending Dave Gettleman. And that pick. Because Daniel Jones didn't do anything no, wrong. And, and that's the thing that Daniel Jones is going to figure out real quick. Yes. If he can handle the, the heat or not, because— it's already coming. What's incredible it is, already is coming. he doesn't have to just outperform Josh uh, Allen. No. He doesn't have to just outperform Dwayne Haskins, nope. who went 15. He's got to outperform Drew Locke. Yep. He has to outperform Sam Darnold. Yep. He has to outperform Josh Allen, the quarterback, last year. Yep. Lamar Jackson. All the quarterbacks they passed up on last year, all the quarterbacks they didn't select this year. He has to outperform Saquon Barkley. Yeah. To show that the value of picking Barkley in last year's draft was worth it in holding off and taking the quarterback now. Mm. And in regards to pressure, a lot of people talking today, Monday after the draft, what quarterback is in the best position? A lot of people right away said Daniel Jones. Well, he has Eli Manning in front of him. He doesn't have to play right away. Right, right away, right now. But when you look at being the number six overall pick at the quarterback position, 90% of those guys play in their first year. Mm. You're getting drafted in the top six I think because the, over the team under is was not seven ready. and a half games for Daniel Jones to start, which to me, I'm going pound the under. But you really think, you said this earlier in the green room, that if Eli has a rough patch, they're going to feel the pressure to go to Daniel Without Jones. a doubt. Because Which is you're crazy gonna, to me. But because you're going to have to validate taking a quarterback at number 6 and 17. That's why if they would have taken a pass rusher at number 6 and they would have used the trade package like they did to move from the second to the first to, to get DeAndre, DeAndre Baker, Baker yeah. and they would have moved up to pick Daniel Jones, the fan base would not be reacting this way. At least they got because the at least you got the pass rusher, you got the player in need at the value that you said that it would be at and not a reach, and then moved up to get your guy that you believed was a franchise quarterback and the future of this organization to transition out of Eli Manning. Gettleman has come out and said that there were two, deem, two teams that he knows were going to take Daniel Jones before 17. 
I've talked to scouts and people inside the Denver Broncos organization, and it was a possibility. But that's still at 10. That's not at 6. That's something that you can move from 17 when you know the Denver Broncos were excited about moving out how quickly they did with the right. Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's still an opportunity to for you to move up, to pick the player that you want, but still get the edge rusher that we all know that this Giants organization and this roster needs. I think the thing is, too, is there were a few teams in this draft that if I'm the Giants, if we're going to be very honest, because them taking Daniel Jones at six, the value is way off. Yes. However... If that's your guy, I do understand not putting it up to risk. Because when you looked at the the numbers there, yep. Denver was at 10, yes. Cincinnati was at 11, Miami was at 13, Washington was at 15. Got and it. those were the teams that we were like, maybe they want a quarterback. Yes, correct. But as we saw with Washington, all we, we all knew they wanted Haskins. Yep. Like, that was clear. So then you cross them off, they're no longer a threat. Yep. The Bengals and the Dolphins, the Dolphins were in talks with Josh Rosen. Giants should have been in talks with Josh Rosen. Bengals were looking at Haskins when they were initially looking right. at things. But they didn't go quarterback. Nope. I I understand from a GM's perspective why you go and get your guy. The issue is no one other than the Giants and, like, Gil Brandt and David Cutliffe or the Manning family thought he's the guy. That's why this has gotten so fucked. It's gotten so fucked, and I'm saying that with a little <laughs> bit of joy, is because... With a smile on my face. Is because they're, they're, I'm not hearing or seeing anyone coming out and going, I do believe he can be the guy. Like, I, I'm not hearing a single person doing that, Dave. Listen, when, when you pick a quarterback in the top ten... And you know that he's coming to your organization. Number one, you know he's not coming to a good football team. There's a reason why a top 10 quarterback is coming. And in regards to the New York Giants, we're talking about eight wins over the last two seasons. So you know you're not coming into where you have the full supporting cast. Otherwise, it would have thrived under Eli because he had the supporting cast. So number one, you're throwing him into that. And number two, regardless of whether he has Saquon Barkley behind him or not, You're going to get thrown into games where, as a number 10 pick at the quarterback position, you better be able to take over football games and win them by yourself. And that's not what Daniel Jones is. And that's not right now when you're looking at him as a number 10 pick. Everybody that talks about it, he has a year to progress, he has a year to learn, and they can continue to evolve around him and build that team. That's not something you do with a number six pick. Do you believe the Manning family has too much control over this organization? You know what? I I don't think that they do. I, I honestly, I, I don't think they have control in the organization, but to sit here and say that the relationship with David Cutcliffe, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning had nothing to do with it would be ridiculous. Yeah, You're bringing in somebody that you know was mentored the right way, coached the right way, knows how to handle pressure in the state of New York and New Jersey as a head coach, but or as a, the starting quarterback of a team. But even saying that, he wasn't a polished prospect coming out like Eli. 
People are comparing him to Peyton Manning. Yeah, people said, well, may, Peyton Manning may not have a stronger arm than Ryan Leaf. Get the but fuck he out checked of off yes. every other box on the board that you were worried about. Did you see that nationally televised game that Daniel Jones had last year where he like kicked ass against that really was good SEC Temple? team? No, it didn't fucking happen. Because it never fucking happened. <laughs> that, that, I mean, Peyton Manning, look- I'm watching like national championship level games or SEC yeah. games. And Eli. You're looking at Alabama. Yes. You're looking at Auburn. You're looking at big name programs. Ooh, did you know that Daniel Daniel Jones ran for 180 yards against North Carolina. You know how many North Carolina guys were in this draft? I don't fucking know. I Who didn't knows? see yeah. any. I didn't see any. And that's and that's what comes to the pressure of picking a quarterback at number six and putting that on him because that's never going to leave. And when I say that Eli has control over the Giants, I don't always mean it's this maniacal, behind-the-scenes talking shit. Sometimes his mere presence is pressure. I have said this on the Left Coast Show, and I've said this before, that the Giants missed their opportunity with Ben McAdoo. They could have moved on from Eli when Ben when Ben sat him and gone, it was Ben's decision, and then the fan base would have hated Ben, but instead they caved after one game of Geno and brought him back in, and we never saw Davis Webb. And now it just seems like they're trying to transition to a guy that'll make it an easy transition instead of the right guy. It's like dating somebody that lives in your apartment complex. <laughs> oh, but you know what? It's, it's two floors. Yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? You got to hang out with them all the time. After yeah. six months, you're going to hate them. If it goes bad, it's, you're still going to see them in the elevator. Yeah, but it's you're so still, convenient. Yeah. Who but, cares if it's convenient? It, listen, you want your transition to the next quarterback to be seamless, but at the same time, you want that transition to have competition. Because we that's want gonna Peyton bring... to Andrew Luck. Well, you needed to lose Peyton for a year and go 2-14 and 14 to get that. Exactly. And that's the thing that you realize with this is that you have to have competition. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to come in and just su- succeed his job and just give it to Eli Manning. But having said that, the minute that a game goes wrong, the mm. minute that there is a bad interception thrown by Eli Manning. And he has that face. What do you think this fan base is going to do? What do you think that they're going to be calling for? They're not going to be calling if he was number 17. Right. They're calling for number six because of the value that you put him on and the value saying that he is the franchise quarterback. If you say that he's the franchise quarterback from day one, then then you should have moved on from Eli Manning. Yeah. That's the thing. If you say that yeah, you needed him to come in and, and learn under a year, million. if you said yeah. that you needed him to learn under a year and you think that he could be the franchise quarterback, that's another thing. But to make the statement that yes. right now he's the franchise guy, that's something that none of us know. I get the drops by his receivers. I get the offensive line insufficiencies and not having the timing. But if your number one defense is your receivers drop a lot of balls and it's not his arm is really good or he's really accurate – like, if you're giving me, like, qualifications about why he's not bad as the reasons he's good, I have an issue. My thing with Gettleman, Guys like too, that win games, regardless of the circumstances around him, if they're the number six man. Yeah, they'll get it done. They'll get it done. Gettleman, it, he, his whole defense has been, um, look at my track record. Look at what I've done. I don't think he's actually ever brought in a quarterback, so that's, like, a funny thing to say. But I also think it's interesting that 
I feel like they're rebuilding, but they're also going for broke at the same time. When you go out in free agency and you spend the amount of money they did on Golden Tate, and then you re-up Sterling Shepard, and you, you trade and you get a guy like Zeitler. Zeitler's a guy that you put on a team when you're trying to make a run. He's like 30. Yeah. He's, he's around that time. But he's the good really thing good. Is, is he hasn't been beat up. You don't see that he's missed a lot of games. He has that under his belt, which is a good I thing, just think especially if you're coming from rebuild, Wisconsin guy. If you're going to rebuild... You don't you're, you don't go out there and give Saquon 500 carries. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna want to. My, my fear is for a Giants fan that the next few years are the Saquon show, and by the time this team is rebuilt and ready to go, he's punched out. But see, that's, that's my fear. You know what though? It, it all depends on how you look at it. The reason why I say that is because go look at last year. Look at the 2018 season. The same thing after the draft, people were saying, well, quarterbacks can last 10 years and running back only last seven. How many games did Saquon miss? Zero. Sure. How many did the other quarterbacks miss? Each one of them missed a game due to injury. Sure. So when you add that into the equation, that doesn't always work out the same way. It depends on the type of player yeah, I'm looking that you bring you're looking at. I know that you're looking long-term in the career, yeah. but we're not talking about a six-year rebuild, five-year. You don't have that amount of time in the NFL. So when Gettleman says, talk to me in three years, which has been his big thing. There's well, a, it went to the Kansas City model. Now it's in the Green Bay model. There's this thing that I feel like Gettleman's trying to do where he's trying to call his own career trajectory shots. Like, hey, I just drafted the quarterback, and I might sit him for two years. You can't judge me until he plays. Motherfucker bullshit. Because if he's not good enough to get on the field right now, then, it then you haven't done your job. Pick. Right. Like, if, if we're sitting there at training camp, and I'm watching the video footage where they both drop back and they both look to the left, and the team isn't like, wow, this guy's a lot better than him. If Daniel Jones, at 22, however old he is, isn't physically superior to 38-year-old Eli Manning, like blatantly superior, I'm going to rely on There's you when this issue. happens, we have an issue. Yeah. Because he's not going to get more athletic. Yeah. Like, think 22 about, years old, you are a, a coiled-up cannon. And think about that. How many players are projected from college and pros and scouts and GMs say, well, he'll be better in the pros than in college. It doesn't happen very that rare. way. Very, very like rare. Like Deshaun Watson was one of those guys where like his arm got stronger in the NFL. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. I didn't know that could happen. No, exactly. But that's a very rare thing to happen, yeah. especially at the quarterback position. Other positions are outliers, but it's very difficult to look at a quarterback in college and say his production in the pros is going to be twice the amount that he had in college. Man. It's a difficult position. So I think the uh, the Giants came away from the Odell trade with Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, who I'm higher on than a lot I of am people. Too. I think I think people wanted a pass rusher, and they got a defensive end, and they're talking about him like well, he's, he's a D tackle. Yeah, they're talking about him it. like he's like a 1995. Oh, he's a top 15 prospect. I think he's more athletic. Well, than people are giving him. Well, he ran a faster 40 time at 340 than Haskins. Yes, think about that. Insane. At 340, he ran a faster time than who people thought was the number two quarterback in this draft class. So they got Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, and O'Shane Zimenez. Zimenez, yep. Um, not you were looking at someone else there. You wanted a. I, I wanted. I wanted Wesco out of the tight end out of West Virginia. Yeah, he's a jack of all trades. He could be your H back. He could be a tight end. You yeah, can put him on the line of scrimmage. He uh, he can do it all. I was, 
you know, pleasantly surprised that he's a New York Jet now. It really hurts oh, me to sure. say that. But for him, I mean, I'm rooting for him. He's but, one of those players that you watch on film and you're like, this is a football guy in all aspects. Doesn't care whether he's catching the football, doesn't care whether he's blocking. Yeah. You're getting the most out of him every single play. But I bring this up to say, I think Gettleman had his eye on the wrong transition. I think in Gettleman's mind, he believes he will be defined by how he transitions out of Eli. And what I don't think he realizes, he is currently being examined with how he's transitioning out of Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. There's a lot of Manning Jr. There's a lot of Manning jerseys out there. But I would argue that under the age of 25, there's a lot more Odell Beckham jerseys. Agreed. And so right now, we don't have to wait. Dexter Lawrence is going to play right away. Yeah. Jabril Peppers is going to get out there right away. O'Shane Zimenez, we'll see if he gets out there right away. I, I think he will. I think he'll be a good third down sub package pass rusher. But if Jabril's getting beat deep and Dexter's not on the field on third down, then I don't need to wait for Eli because you traded Odell for those guys. And. Uh, could it work out? I think it could work out. At the end of the day, vitamin W, winning, it cures all of this. That's if what's going to solve all of this yeah. is winning. And that is the only thing that is going to solve all of this is winning. I just wanted to look up what the projected win total was in Vegas for the Giants. What do you believe it is as I pull it up? Uh, what would you feel comfortable with? Vegas, I'd say seven. Okay. Caesars has your over-under at five and a half. I think that's low. You think it's low? I think it's low. I think it's low. Eagles are nine and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Yeah, so are you having a lot of Giants fans, like, messaging you, like, what the fuck? Everywhere I go. I mean, I have them. I mean, I'm at my daughter's school earlier, my daughter Addison's. Shout-out Addison. Yeah, shout-out Addison. One of the other teachers walking by. What do we do at six? Wow. That's not <laughs> so crazy. everybody's involved in it, but that's the great thing that you love about being a former Giant and a Giants fan is that everybody's fully invested in the organization. Yeah, but I, I don't think they're excited. Oh, no, and that's the thing. Like I said, I don't think they're excited with him at number six. I think they would have been excited if they would have drafted him at 17 or moved up to get him. But the value and everything that went behind it at six, that's what really shocked the Giants fans, especially with Josh Allen, who you talked about, money, market, who brings the best to this team. A pass rusher right now in 2019 definitely impacts this football team way more than a quarterback. If I would have told Giants fans that they would have left at six with Haskins and 17 Montez Sweat. They would have gone game-changing defensive end that ran a 4-4-1 and a quarterback that's six foot two, six foot three, and threw 50 touchdowns last year. I love it. And I think that's the other thing Gettleman's not realizing. Those two guys are now on Washington. Yeah. That draft, Haskins Sweat, I can pull up mocks where that's what Giants fans were seeing in, in yeah. January and February and March. Either you flip-flop, take the quarterback first, right. defensive end, or so defensive end quarterback. The fact that Haskins and Sweat, they're facing them twice a year, that's the other thing. If yeah. Daniel Jones doesn't play this year and Haskins does play and has like a seven-win, eight-win campaign with a lot of hope, that's even more pressure on Gettleman. Of course it is because it's going to force the issue to play him sooner yes. than later. And in that regards, I will say this. 
I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Haskins. Okay, that's fair. I, I was not. You remember, I went back, I watched film, I watched his entire season last year, and there were just something about me and about him that just didn't jump off of the tape for me. Mm. You know, if I was to put him in order, I told you, I'd have Drew Locke number two. Mm. The fact that he's had three different offensive coordinators yeah. in his time at Missouri, the fact that he didn't have the talent around him, and the fact that he got kicked his well, I should. I'm about to swear. My daughter may be. No, listening. you're allowed. To he care. got the shit kicked out of him. Hey, game after game after game. Yeah, and he would have a linebacker coming down the bow of the pocket on a blitz, and he would sit there, throw the ball, and take shit. Yeah, that's something that you want to see out of a quarterback to get back and bounce up. Granted, Daniel Jones didn't have the offensive line. Right, but. Also, when you look at the intangibles, the arm compared to arm, the college career compared to college career, I would much rather risk things on picking a Drew Locke than a Daniel Jones. Having said that, time will tell, and let's face it, Pat Shermer made Case Keenum look like a freaking all-pro yeah, in Minnesota. He did. So the short, intermediate game is something that you can you get by You think Shermer's on. all in on Daniel Jones, too? I don't do think, think they would have pulled. I don't think they would have pulled the trigger if they weren't worth. That's the thing about Daniel Jones that's so interesting is last year his completion percentage was sixty. The year before it was fifty six point seven. And I know the drops. We we can add those in. That's but fine. Still, but my my thing really is. Um, what I learned, I stepped away from the draft this year. I have my books. I made all this so I can organize. I'm going to go through, kind of look at what I thought teams' needs were, what they actually filled com- compared to like what yeah. I thought they were. And then I'm really going to focus on preseason this year because what I've realized about draft analysis is there's typically two different types of people. Okay, There are people that like to watch for traits and then project them. Yeah. And a lot of times they, they go – Oh, well, the coaching is not going to be that good at LSU. It'll be better in the NFL. And we can, I think that's what's happening with somebody like Locke, where we look at Locke and go, wait until there's structure around him, yep. wait until he has better weapons and all that stuff. And then there's some people that need to see it. Yeah. And those people love finished products that typically have lower ceilings, whereas the people that like to project like to take a little bit more risk because they go, look at the athleticism of Montez Swift. Yeah. He didn't know what the hell he was doing at Mississippi Ryan State. Ryan Finley. And I'm somewhere in Ryan Finley. The- Ryan He's like 25 years old. Everybody said he has the best football IQ. He's the most prepared to walk in. He could step right in if a starter was to get hurt, manage the offense, knows where to go with the football. But what was the problem? He didn't have the higher ceiling as everybody else. So, therefore, you restrict your same thought process on somebody. If something happens right now, that's the guy you want. You want the guy that can step in, lead right away right now because you can't project the future. At some point, that potential may meet productivity, and it may not. But what can't you bank on? You can't bank on the future. You have to bank on right now. Teams don't have two years, three years to rebuild. Yes. GMs, head coaches, as we've seen in Arizona with Steve Wilkes last year, you don't have that time anymore. Why do you think that right away with the second pick overall, they picked Nick Bosa in, in San Francisco? You remember it was brick by brick? Yeah. Well, you better have that wall built for 2019 because after this season, people are going to be throwing things at that wall saying, well, we had two, three years to rebuild. You're building all these defensive linemen. You're taking them in the first round. Where's the production? Just That's a what happens. little you advice for you. Don't, don't talk about walls with Nick Bosa because apparently he's really <laughs> into that shit. Like, he's really into that. He would not appreciate that. Um, uh, Oh, but to, to what you're saying, though, 
I actually felt like a weight was a weight was lifted off of me. For anyone that joined me, Matt Miller, Connor Rogers, the guy from Sick to Football, and watched, I did the first three rounds of the draft, and then Mello came in and did four and five. I actually felt like a weight was lifted because instead of arguing about DK Metcalf for three months okay. and about whether or not he was number one, I got to watch him go to the end of the second round to a Seattle situation where Doug Baldwin's leaving, yep. and now I get to analyze him like that. Instead of going, should the Raiders take him at four? Can he be a number one? He doesn't need to be a number one. No. He doesn't need – he's going to go to Seattle, and they're going to go, here's the deal. Lockett's going to run the middle of the field. Yeah. You either go 100 miles per hour straight – or you do a slant, or you do a comeback. They're a team, and who throws a better deep ball than Russell Wilson right now? Nobody. Maybe, maybe, maybe one or two guys, but it's very, maybe very Patrick rare. Mahomes. Yeah. So I actually felt like a weight was lifted because instead of these dumb fucking draft arguments, and I'm not saying talking about the draft is dumb. Just in in general, the picks and where they go. Well, this and, person. And my thing is, is fit. Miller and Connor, and I had to explain this to them because I didn't want them to get offended. When you focus on the draft all year round, you understand value. You understand game tape. You really, it, you're they're scouts. Yeah. But for for radio hosts or TV hosts, when they get involved, when Colin Cow is arguing about whether or not uh, Titus Howard is a project for the Texans. They've never watched film with no. Titus Howard. No. So how are no. they giving that opinion? They no don't idea. know. And that, you know what? It, it's funny that you said that because let, let's just break back into it. The opinions, the breakdown of film, all that stuff that goes yeah, into it. Yeah, break down the fourth wall. You and I were laughing at that 12 pick with Rashawn Gary to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. There's a reason why he should be crying because he just got away with murder. I shouldn't say that. That's okay. He just got away with robbery <laughs> from going into shouldn't the draft with yeah, with his, his ski mask on because who was the steal out of that? Chase Winovich going to the New England Patriots. Mm. Chase Winovich had twice the amount of production. Yeah. Twice I disagree with you on this. Work, but this is the thing. You watch film. Which guy popped off a film on you? Which guy ran things down to the backside? Which guy played every game and will contribute on special teams? Which guy do you know that, regardless of whether he has a nick with him or not, he's going to be out there on Sundays? That's Winovich. Well, well, well he's a third-round guy. Doesn't he fit the exact same mold Oh, you of mean Rob an active Minkovich? linebacker that, whose last name ends in Vich? Well, when I saw that, I was like, I believe that Belichick has cir circled. Like, the fact that you are not a Patriot is kind of crazy to me. I know. I feel like he circles those countries that end in Vich or Vic or whatever, and he's like, these are my kind of guys. But, but think about him. Put him in the same role as Ninkovich. Put him in the same role as who else? Who else is a head coach right now for the Tennessee Titans? Oh, yeah, Vrabel, yeah. That's all they're going to have him do. Because what do they do? They draft a guy based upon what he can do now and what he does well, not the potential of where he can go. Yeah. Because some guys don't reach that. At the same and point, And when though, you're asking and when you're reaching sometimes, you know that that guy's not going to Yeah, hit but you that know point. that different coaches require different stuff. Of course. And I, I think Petten in Green Bay right now is going, I got a bunch of guys already in the front seven that are that are pretty good. Like, Mike, like the, I actually think the Packers right now have a very freaking sneaky D front seven. So when you look at their team, they just went out and got Zadarius Smith and yep. Preston Smith. Preston Smith, yeah. Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels in the middle. And they still have guys like Montrevious Adams. But then, because there's not a lot of pressure on a guy savage. like that. Savage. And you, you love, know Savage. I love Savage. Yeah. I love Darnell Savage. Yeah. But I look at Rashawn Gary and I go, 
if he could be your guy off the bench on third downs, which is go kill the quarterback, yeah. and he doesn't need that Winovich awareness, I look at the Patriots and go, oh, man, they're going to underpay Winovich for the rest of his career, and he's going he's gonna to man the flats, and he'll, yep. he'll swat down yeah, balls. Yeah, yeah. I think different coaches look for different – like. Belichick loves captains. But see, when you go to that and when you look at what New England philosophically does defense, yeah. their goal with their defensive line is not to get a sack. No, not at all. Their whole goal is to get him off of the mark and to get pressure on him. Yeah. So that's why you see when you have guys and they work stunts, it's not about one guy getting a sack. It's just making sure that they disrupt the timing and yeah. the quarterback of where he can set up. That's the difference when you get into different situations and systems. I can understand where you said 3-4, Mike Patton, yeah. put him on the outside, rush the let pass, run, and let him roll. But when you take a guy at 12, you better be able to get him more into the rotation yeah. and play him more than just having him as a sub guy. Who were the other picks in the first round that you really liked? I think that... I don't know, know if you're going to read my off, handwriting. Off, yeah, here, let me see. Off of my mind, obviously, Devin White. He was my one of my favorite guys really? in the draft. So as somebody that watches film and you see him... He's one of the guys that jumps off a tape. Number one, you love when you're watching a middle linebacker pre-snap, pointing, dictating, and telling everybody else on the defense what to do. Right. And especially he did a defense def- like LSU. Especially a defense like LSU. From the top down, he knew exactly where to go. His speed showed up on film. His intensity, his ability to lead, step up when he didn't make a play to make yeah. that next play. And the thing for him to be able to be a three-down linebacker, run sideline to sideline, that's something that is a weakness right now in the NFL with the amount of sub-packages oh. that offenses three wide 70% of the time. You know you have to have a safety or a linebacker in there. If you could have a linebacker that can play the run and cover, it just allows you much more flexibility Not on the defensive that too, side like of the ball. You see right there, pick number eight. Yeah. T.J. Hawkinson, pick number 20, Noah Fan, The tight end. You need those linebackers for the tight end, too. Chris Lindstrom, huge addition to the okay, Atlanta Okay, yeah, Falcons. let's talk some OL. Because you know what? This is your fucking specialty, yeah. and I should have started there. That's okay. Falcons go two offensive linemen, yep. Chris Lindstrom, and then a little bit later uh, they trade up for Mitch McGarry. Mitch McGarry, yeah. Is this the Kayla future? McGarry, I'm Kayla sorry. McGarry, is this the future O line for the Falcons? It's that's the right side of their offensive line right now, and they've already got him in place. Do you for, like both of them on tape? I do. Caleb McGarry was one of the toughest, nastiest guys to watch in the offensive line. He beat guys using zero technique. That's something you don't see a lot out of I offensive line. He's a six seven guy, long arms, long reach, and he will he punish people, people if he gets his hands on him. He just has to get his feet and his hands coordinated. Yes, and that's something. In that Sarkeesian system with Matt Ryan, you know exactly where... Now it's where, Dirk Cutter. Or, or Dirk Cutter. Yeah. It's back to Dirk Cutter, yeah. my mistake. You know exactly where Matt Ryan's going to be in that system. That helps him out a lot. Bring in Lindstrom, another Boston College, blue collar, sure. started throughout his entire career. Brings that nastiness. Didn't give up a single sack last year. It says a lot about an interior guy. Reminds me a lot of Chris Snee. Same type of pedigree, same lower guy. But that's where a lot of people put an onus on a pass rusher on the edge. Yeah. Obviously, their job is to run the hoop. But the whole point of it is for the guards, the center, to control the depth. As an offensive tackler, you can run by the width. But if there's no depth in the pocket, a quarterback mm. has nowhere to go. And he's backing up right to where those, those defensive ends are running the hoop. Lindstrom is that guy on the inside that will not give up ground, and that's exactly what they need for a quarterback like Matt Ryan. I'm surprised 
which is shocking to me. I'm surprised Dillard dropped as much. You just got your replacement for Jason Peters. Is he that good? He is that good. He has smooth feet. He transitions. A lot of people said, well, he's more of a finesse guy. You don't have to overpower people in college if you get the job done playing and play out. Mm. That's why he was a perfect pick for them. What was it, at 22 for them yeah, to sneak in and trade him? Up. He is a great pick for them. Yeah, so Joe Williams, they... I think he's the most polished out of all the offensive sure. linemen. But if I was a GM, I would never draft an offensive lineman from Wisconsin or Alabama. Really? Yeah. The reason why, they never hold up. Durability problems is always something when you go to those guys. Alabama, you're getting the crap kicked out of you for four straight years. You're playing you know, full-year-round sure. football. And the same thing with a lot of the guys who go to Wisconsin. They're not typically 330-pounders. All of a sudden, they're having knee and shoulder issues, and they don't have the type of careers and longevity How that you want How do they get them so big guys. in Wisconsin? Uh, they, they grow them up. They build them up with the weight and everything because they know that that's power football. First instinct right away, well, Joe Thomas did it. Joe Thomas was a converted defensive end after his sophomore year. He was an offensive lineman there from the get-go. There were a few Think offensive linemen in this draft. Think about the last Alabama offensive lineman to play over 10 years. I'm thinking Cam Robinson's on the Jaguars right now, and he already had injury problems last year. Um, I know that Ryan Kelly, they had a lot of hopes for him in Indianapolis. He's been super banged up. Fluker's he... been banged up. Yeah. you got to go all the way to Chris Samuels. Washington wow, left tackle Redskins. Washington Redskins, yeah. That's how far back you have to go to look at so an Alabama lineman to play 10-plus years. Mm. So where are the schools that you would look for offensive linemen from? A Big Ten, I would look. Penn State. But not Wisconsin. That's one place. I don't know what it is about Wisconsin, but durability-wise, outside of Joe Thomas, they really don't last. I would look at interior offensive linemen. At that point, as long as they're not running a spread offense, yeah. then I'm good with it. If I can watch an offensive lineman with his hand in the dirt, then I can evaluate him. When I'm looking at an offensive lineman who half the time in the third and fourth quarter techniques out the window because they're just running plays to run plays. Yeah, they're to just wear standing out the, in front of people. They're standing in front of people. They're looking towards the sidelines. There's a pace, a rhythm, and a cadence to a football game that as an offensive lineman, you better be on the attack and you better not be setting back. All right, self-scout yourself right now. Who is a player on an offensive line that you thought was going to be really good in any year and you were wrong about? Mine would be Danny Watkins, the offensive lineman the Eagles drafted, the fireman. Got it. From Dan- Baylor. You know, for it was me, that year. It was like Jason Brown. They, Baylor had all those offensive linemen that didn't pan out. You know, and for me, even though he's had a good career, for me, Jake Matthews. Mm. I thought he and, and granted, I know oh, people a lot thought he was going to be a dead set know, lock. And, and he's one of the guys that still. I know that he's played much better. Has has gone along, but he's one of those guys you saw coming out of Texas A and M that this guy can be an All Pro yeah. every single year, especially when you play in that type of system in a dome and you have your feet underneath you. Man, you can slow down the pass rush so much. Yeah. And it just kind of hasn't happened. No. Uh, they had a great career, but not the career I thought that he would have. A little bit of uh, news and notes. Uh, Kansas City with Tyree Kill has become a story that we need to watch day to day now. Yeah. Uh, a, a local station in Kansas City got audio, uh, an audio file of Tyreek saying some things to uh, the woman in question where he was saying things like, you better be afraid of me, pretty much admitting to like hitting Everything his kid, all that stuff. Yes. Uh, they, they have now reopened the investigation. 
Uh, Kansas City is suspending him, but it seems like we're in this holding pattern right yeah. now to wait and see what's going to happen. And then they go out there in the second round and they trade up and take Miko Hartman, the wide receiver from Georgia, yeah, who speedy. everyone says yeah. he's that Tyreek guy. Yeah. Do you believe that that draft pick was them admitting that they might move on from Tyreek? Or is that just they needed a guy? Because I do think they needed more weapons. I I think that they needed more weapons, but I think it was also to send a message, without a doubt. Believe me, I've been a fan of Tyreek Hill on the field. Yeah. There's no way that I'll ever support him or watch him again. Ever again. Ever again. You know, me being a father to a 12-year-old little girl, let alone to have a little boy, and to talk that way after you've already gotten your second chance to get into the NFL. Yeah. That's the one thing. People, well, people deserve second chances. This isn't his second chance. This was his third chance yeah. when he already came in with everything with the Kansas City Chiefs, with everything that happened before, while this same girl was pregnant with this same yeah. child. So for this to happen again, I don't think he should ever play in the NFL again. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, what do you think? Somebody's going to pick him. Somebody that can run that fast, score touchdowns, and turn around an organization, they're going to unfortunately turn a blind eye to it. Mm. Because at the end of the day, if somebody can sign Charles Manson and he runs a 4-4 and scores three touchdowns, they're going to do it. Mm. Because it's a business and it's about winning. And as Were you long ever as on a team with someone that game, was really shitty off the field? Yeah, and they didn't last long. Really? Yeah, of course, because you knew when it came time and when shit was on the line on the football field, that guy wasn't accountable, and it would show up. That's really my question. Is it's it's not about your actions. It's about like your character, your character. And, and what's written. You in your look code. at somebody before a game in the eye. You know the guys who are going to sell out, and who guys mm. are you're a little not shaky and you're a little not sure of. Yeah. And sure enough, that talent that they had dwindles itself out the door because it's mm. not easy to stay in the NFL. It's not easy. You can get your foot in and get the opportunity with that talent. But that talent isn't going to keep you in. No. Having the mindset, having the knowledge and the understanding and understanding what it takes to be an NFL player is much harder than feeling cool because you are an NFL player. And that's that what fades. a lot of people fall into that trap. Do you think there's any way to figure that out before the draft? Yeah. You think so? Look, just people watch, have been trying to do that forever. Watch the draft, evaluate yourself at where you just got picked, and look at the previous drafts of that organization. You think you're the only one that's getting picked at that spot? You think you've been the only one to challenge this person at their position? Oh, no. There's been years that they've been either trying to replace this position or upgrade this position. There's been competition, regardless of whether it's a first, second rounder, or a veteran. You aren't guaranteed shit. No. And that's the misconception, and that's the one thing that's the reality check for a lot of these guys. Because throughout this entire process, they've been getting their ass kissed. They've been having GMs. That's my thing. They've been having agents. They've been having their family. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. All of a sudden, you're going to get punched right in the fucking mouth. Yeah. Your first practice. And are you going to have that same support system? And they're not going to give a shit. Or are you going to have enough pride in yourself to pick yourself up off the turf? Because that's going to happen. People don't realize that these guys, when they're when they're entering the draft, can go to agents and can say, I'm going to sign with you if you cover all of my expenses for training. Yeah. And that could be about $50,000. It's service now. You're going to pay for all of my flights. You're not going to get a fucking dollar. Like, they don't yeah. pay their agents. It's a concierge service. They get marketing services or they get brands like Nike and Adidas that yeah. because they haven't made any plays in the field yet, they're they're all potential. They get all these deals. Yep. They get to do all this media and all this stuff. And then they have a party. 
and it's a celebration and they get drafted and they're crying and they're hugging. And I've always thought <laughs> that that kind of an emotional release is very scary Yeah, because I, I've always said that an IPO or like when you go to NASDAQ and someone's like, and guess what? Lyft is now publicly traded. Ding, 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 <laughs> yeah, ding. Yeah, yeah. And they go up there and they're celebrating. The work has just started. Yeah. But they're all, but it's this celebration of this accomplishment. Think about how many guys walked up there in the first round with diamonds all over their watches and their gold chains and everything. So you were a fifth round pick. Yeah. Who was your first round pick? Uh, William Joseph. Cornerback. Uh, defensive tackle from Miami. Wow. He lasted all but three years. I had a great draft class. Yeah, who else was in your draft class? Second round was OCU Manora. Sure. He and I, back-to-back, would always go after each other at practice. He's one of the reasons why I turned into the player that That's I am. That's awesome. Because he and I would push each other. We'd fight. We'd punch each other. And then we'd sit in the cafeteria and dictate what the person other did. That's awesome. I saw you doing this. I saw this. And we made each other better. Yeah. Our third round with Vishante Shanko. Sure. Fourth round. Very was, famous for yeah, his locker room yeah. uh, antics on television. Yeah. Eighth Do you remember that? In the box. It's a scary thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that. <laughs> the camera's got to worry about keeping the, the angles higher. All right, so fourth. Fourth was Rod Babers. Oh, who, sure. I got a call. Yeah, see? Yeah. I got a call in the fourth saying it's either going to be you or a cornerback. Dun, dun, pick 140, Rod Babers. I'm like, shit, I guess I'm not going to be a giant. Fifth round comes around. It's Ernie Acorsi and Jim Fossil. Hey, you like that joke? We're pulling in your card right now. I went in the fifth round. Sixth round was Willie Ponder, who didn't last. Seventh round, my roommate Kevin Walter, who played okay. 10 years in the league. Yes, he did. Uh, Wayne Lucier and David Tyree. Undrafted? Or? Undraft- David Tyree's seventh round. So when you're the fifth round pick. Yeah. So you I, know you ain't got shit guaranteed to you. But my thing is more sharing a locker. Is there any part of you that looks at the first rounder when they're doing all the press and they're doing the press conferences after practice, or they're the ones that maybe already have a nice car, or maybe some of their position group has kind of gravitated? Is there any part of you that that hates your own teammate for a little bit? No, I, I wouldn't say so because you're happy and you realize that they work just as hard as you gotcha. to get in that opportunity. So I never. But had if they're that, not working as hard as you, well, then they're out of the league, like William Joseph. Was. Gotcha. And it happens that quick. So I never thought about it that way. My whole thing was, I grew, I'm a Southside Chicago guy. I had no silver spoon. I worked and earned everything that I got, and I realized by getting to the Giants and being drafted in the fifth round, it was an opportunity. Shit wasn't given to me. Shit wasn't guaranteed yeah. to me, and that was very prevalent the first time I broke into the starting lineup. They run Bob, which is the slant right behind me, Yes, opening play. The minute that they call the play, Tiki Barber, Kerry Collins, Imani Toomer, Jeremy Shockey, they all look right at me in the eye and see how I wanted to respond. You realize right now when you're looking at those other faces in the huddle, I may be 21, but I need to get my job done. What would you say? I turned around and I fucking moved the three technique and we ran slant. That's one of the other things is that Tiki Barber was one of my biggest supporters from day one. Mm. I'll never forget. I came off of the practice field, my second practice training, moving in with the second string offensive line and then the first. Because at that time coming out of Illinois, same thing. I played everything but center. Yeah. That's the only thing I didn't play. I'll never forget coming off of the second practice and Ron Dane saying, better not fuck this up. I said, what? He goes, you better not fuck this up. I said, what, Ron? He goes, 21 just vouched for you that he wants you as a starting right guard. Don't mess this up. Damn. Who are you right competing away? with? 
Uh, they, there was a rotation of guys, gotcha. but that was the thing for me. Talk about a perfect situation, fifth-round draft pick, versatility. I played everything at Illinois but center. When I was at Illinois, we ran the same exact pro-style offense that the oh, Giants wow. ran. We watched cut-ups so of the Giants, the double teams, foot placement, and, yeah. everything. All I had to do was transition and turn around the terminology. Other than that, I knew the entire offense. When when I'm getting ready for the draft and I see that an offensive lineman has played all over the line. It's a great thing. How much, how much value is there? It's huge because figure game day, you're only suiting up seven to eight maybe offensive linemen. That's the thing people don't realize. They don't realize. One guy gets hurt, that guy goes in, you only have two other offensive linemen. And if one of an them offensive goes down, lineman, We've seen where offensive linemen get hurt. I'll never forget in 2006, I got hit by, uh, remember your old defensive back, safety, Michael Johnson. Of course. I get hit. 32. In, I get hit in 06, and I get a stinger. I felt my ear touch my trap. My <laughs> my neck is on fire. At this point, I already played left guard, and then our right tackle got hurt, and I was playing right tackle. Wow. So now we're down to 6 0 linemen, and I just got a burner, and I'm like, my arm goes numb. I'm going to the sidelines. Where and did you get hit for a burner to happen? I got hit right in the side, and I felt literally like right in the front left. I felt my ear touch the back of my right shoulder. And when you say a burner, does I it I mean, burns? it feels like there's a cigarette getting put out right in your neck. That's why it's, it's called a burner? It's a burner, yeah. So your nerves. Is, it, is that a pinched nerve? It's like whiplash, yeah. It's, it's a pinched nerve. And it's like literally a burner. It's like somebody's putting a cigarette or a cigar out right in your so neck. So when I hear Pam Oliver go, and apparently uh, David Deal has a burner, yeah. how many plays will that impact you? It didn't. Because I looked to the sidelines, and they're asking if I'm all right. And my offensive line coach at the time, Pat Flaherty, is sitting there talking. Irish guy? Talking to Fred Robbins, our defensive tackle, going through the snap count. Wow. Fred Robbins would have had to go in and play guard for us. How many plays did you feel it, though? Oh, I felt it the rest of the game and the rest of the season. Was it constantly that oh, same Oh, yeah. Feeling? Anytime that you get hit, you feel it. It gets jammed up. I get massage, acupuncture. So is that most guys? When I hear a guy get a burner, the only day maybe that you he feel... might be feeling it the whole year? Oh, yeah. The only day that you feel good, especially as an offensive lineman, is the day before training camp. You've got something wrong with you all season. Whether it's the hands, yeah, as yeah, you've yeah. seen. Yeah. you got a shoulder. You've got a knee, an ankle. You play through it. You have to. That's the one position mm. on the line that I loved and the one position on the field that I love because you never see us. Never see us tapping our helmet coming out. Yeah, ever. Ever. Have you ever been on a team with a guy that did? No. Because he wouldn't be in our O-line room. No chance. You can't, you can't be soft and play O-line. So like, you could be a soft basketball player. You can't be a soft O-line. So I have a feeling that Andre Dillard for the Eagles, because he played an offense that was a lot of passing, yeah. is probably going to get tested early in terms of how physical are you. He will. You know what I mean? Like, but the, but would, the good, you, would the rest of the offensive line test a new guy, or would the defense test the guy? Well, I mean, to go back to that, I'll never forget after I broke into the starting lineup my first week of the regular season. That was the first time I ever went through a practice without getting into a fight. Because every single practice, myself and Soybert, we'd be fighting people. And then all of a sudden, we're in the first week of regular season. We're playing the Rams at home. And it's like the fifth, sixth period. And I look at Keith Hamilton. I'm like, you got no problems with me today? No, Rook, you made the pass. You're starting. They were all testing me to see if I continued mm. to fight back. So every day somebody would start something with me to make sure if this guy's a legit guy, he's going to fight back and no matter who it is. Mm. And the minute that I passed the test, they were good. 
So the Eagles jumped Houston. Yeah. Houston, who were going to take him. They were going to take him, which is why it's great. Then they took Titus Howard, and then Houston came back a little bit later, and they took a right tackle that had a little bit more promise, a little bit more seasoning. But the guy they took, Titus Howard, is super raw. Raw. Andre Dillard gets to learn under Jason Peters. Yep. Which I'm assuming is invaluable. Invaluable. Not to mention you drafted the big Australian last year, didn't Jordan you? Jordan Maialata. And that's your future right tackle. So, but when I look at a guy like Titus Howard, yep. and he's a super project, and he's going to a team with no super Hall of Fame caliber veteran, in terms of like what that means for an offensive lineman. It's a lot. Yeah. Can you break that down? Well, the thing is, is that... It's going from one structured program to the other. You have veteran leadership in front of you that you can follow, you can watch, and learn from. And Peters is not a guy that's going to worry about no, getting, no, no. losing his Peters, job. No, not absolutely not. He's a great guy in the locker room. As Even when he was hurt, he was in the O-line room trying to help yeah. everybody out. He's trying to help Vitae out, yeah. go through everything. So you don't get selfish guys like that in the offensive line room. Everybody understands that – once your expiration date comes, it comes. There's mm. nothing that you can control about it. Whether you take yourself off of the shelf or because of injuries and the way that and you, you play. And you think they the O-linemen get that more than other groups? Without a doubt, because that's the only position where all five guys have to play in harmony. Mm. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. That's the reason why is because you have to be unselfish to play online. Mm. You have to understand what you're doing on your left side, how it affects the right side of the offense. So if you're line. fucking over that guy, you're really fucking over yourself. You're, yeah, because if you don't pick up a stunt or do something on your side and you don't communicate it to the other side, who knows if they're going to pick it up or not? How are you doing in your play what's affecting the other side? Mm. And that's something that what happens with offensive line play that no other position understands. Granted, well, you can sit here and say, well, defensive line, you know, they have twists, they have yeah. stunts, but those are a select few. O-line have to be on the same page for 60, Every 70 plus play. So when Titus game. Howard goes to Houston, is he kind of having to learn this all by himself? Well, obviously, Mike Devlin, the offensive line coach of the Texans, yeah. is a great offensive line coach. I know him very well. But when you have a project, especially when you don't have the time during the offseason to groom guys right. in, it's a difficult position. Granted, people, well, the CBA, you know, this and that, it is not easy and comfortable moving a guy from point A to point B up against his own will. You've got to learn and physically grunt through that work, through practice to understand, number one, what it feels like, and two, to build up the callus of being an offensive lineman, the hits with your shoulders. You have to get your shoulders and, and everything in your shoulders built up. You have to get everything in your legs, knowing that you're not going to feel perfect mm. and what it's going to be like to take over a game in the third and fourth quarter. Those are things that you have to get done in practice. That's why... Every time we've talked about the NFL over the last three years, the biggest issue over the first four weeks is how bad offensive lines play. Oh, defenses own the first few weeks. They own the first few weeks because nobody's playing in harmony, nobody's playing cognizant with each other, and they don't have their footwork and their technique down to where everybody's coming off in sync when you're watching zone plays. What did you think about Cody Ford falling and uh, Jawan Taylor falling? I wasn't surprised about Cody Ford because he's an inside-outside guy. He's kind of a mauler. And if you go back and you look at Zeus Jr. last year, yeah, kind of the same, the same makeup. Big mauler guy. 
gets his hands on you, it's over in a phone box. It's when he gets his feet caught. Yeah. But that's where those edge rushers and can work those one-on-ones. That's where I feel like he dropped because every other one of those tackles you knew was a short tackle. Right. With Cody Ford, it's, well, he can be a right tackle, but we projected more inside. Gotcha. What about Greg Little? Did you like him? Greg Little, same thing. Tons of starts at uh, Ole Miss. Drafted by Carolina. Drafted by Carolina, who I think Carolina and the NFC had probably one of the draft, best draft classes. Mm. I look in the MC, I look at Carolina and Chicago, who I think did well. And I look at the AFC, I think Baltimore and New England did the best I in actually, the, in the I AFC. I think Baltimore killed it. Baltimore is interesting. They got a lot of team speed getting uh, the kid from Notre Dame, yep. the wide receiver Boykins, and then also a Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. Um, they get the, the kid from Louisiana State, the defensive end, yes. who a lot of people think is a sleeper. Perfect pick. Ben Powers, the offensive guard from center right. uh, from Oklahoma, can fill in and play right there. Uh, the teams that really stood out to me – I really loved Buffalo's draft because they didn't force anything. Nothing. Everything Ed Oliver in the one, Cody Ed Oliver to come two. at nine and fall right in your app. It couldn't work out perfectly. I actually had them. If Oliver wasn't there, I actually had them picking Andre Dillard really? to secure both bookends to make sure that they protect Josh Allen. What I love that about, was their big issue last year was their old line. What I love about what the Bills have done. With Brandon Bean, who I think is a very underrated GM, I and love Sean, Sean McDermott. McDermott. I love Sean McDermott. They they truly know what their identity is, and I've been kind of preaching them up. And I, it's a lot of uh, uh, free agents that nobody really gives a shit about, but I do. Is when you sign Ty Nasecki, Mitch Morse, Ladrian Waddle, Quinton Spain, and then they add on their Spencer Long and John Feliciano, yep. and then you still get a Cody Ford. What I see is you're building up your two deep yeah. of your offensive line. Not to mention one of those guys can be a jumbo guy. Absolutely. Think about what New England did but at Ty the end. Nisecki, Ladrian, Waddle yeah. were both guys for Washington New England, respectively, that when anybody went down, that guy filled in for the rest at of the season. At any position. At any position. Exactly. And I look at Buffalo as a team that's going, you know what? I don't know if Josh Allen's going to be the most accurate quarterback in the world. But, but we're going to protect him. We're going to pound the fucking yep. rock because he can throw that deep ball every now and then. And our defense, which was first in the NFL in passing last year, can get it done. I think the Bills are a sneaky team. I do too. But they're in the AFC East, so I can't really get excited when, about them. When Tom Coughlin got fired from the New York Giants or stepped down, how do yeah. you want to look at it? That was who I thought should have been the head coach of the New York Giants mm. with Sean McDermott. Obviously, I've been on the other end when he was the defensive coordinator under Jimmy Johnson yep. and part of that Philadelphia he was staff. Secondary coach. I've sat down with him a ton of times when calling Carolina games in Carolina. He gets it. He's a tough motherfucker. And he is a tough dude. I think he wrestles his players sometimes. And he doesn't take bullshit. And you love that. The other coach. draft that I loved personally the was Broncos, the Denver Broncos. Without a doubt. Because to go and get not just Drew Locke at 42. But to get in front of him, the tight end that he'll be passing to for the rest of his career, yep. Noah Fan, and Dalton Reisner, the offensive lineman that can play Another all over, tough dude. before you get him, I thought it was awesome. And you get a third-round pick for next year by trading back. And in the third round, you get Draymond Jones, yep. the defensive lineman from Ohio State. I just looked at, like, need, 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 and it made a lot of sense. And I'm not usually someone that celebrates John Elway after drafting. No, well, I, obviously there's a little bit of stability with Vic Fangio coming in yeah. and them not pressing the issue. A lot of people have thought, well, maybe they jumped to Drew Locke. The fact that they sat and were calm, traded out of 10 with Pittsburgh, yeah. got more Picks to fill needs immediately right now. And it, for me, AFC West is open outside of Kansas City. I think with Tyreek Hill, I think it maybe changes being everything. suspended, it changes everything. I think, I think it that changes important. everything. So now think of no Tyreek Hill. 
and no running back in Hunt. Right. That's a big difference to that offense. Huge. When we're looking at 12 seasons in, they were the stabilizing forces of it. Absolutely. And I don't think Oakland has signed a lot of people, but I never have faith in the teams that sign a lot of free agents. And then it's the, just too much gluing. And, for, and the Chargers are there. They're there, but they're they there. still haven't pushed past that point. Yeah. I think this might be the, the year the Chargers clearly win the West. I love their pick of Nasir Adderley in the second yeah. round and Jerry Tillery in the first. Yep. They needed depth on the D-line, and you get a safety that you can pair with Derwin James and it's like and they're both fucking ball hawks. Oh, Love yeah. that. Somebody um, down in the box. Somebody drop out. You yeah. can do so much with their blitz package. And at the same time, you mentioned the Patriots. Yeah. And the fucking Patriots go out there and they get Nikhil Harry. And I had looked at the Patriots and gone, wow. They lose Josh Gordon. They lose Gronk. They lost they're two 50-50 guys. Yep. Because that's where Brady is. And that's what shows you when they move Gronk out to the outside, it showed you how much in the playoffs they missed that yes. big body receiver, especially in the red zone. Because the Patriots' offense is efficient, yep. but it is also repetitive. Yeah. And so when they play teams like the Dolphins at home, they're going to fucking tear them up with the slots and the pop passes and the play actions. Because they can't stop. But when it gets to the elite teams in the playoffs— you need the 50-50 balls. Yep. And that's why when they drafted Nikhil or put him in the slot and get him the quick ball and let a guy make a yeah, man miss, make a move. they needed those athletes on the outside. I think and about last year, genius. how much people were laughing at Cordell Patterson. Right. If they signed this guy, what's he going to do? Think about the impact he had on special teams and on offense running the football at times to help them win the Super Bowl. Josh Rosen goes to Miami, yeah, which I think was the big trade uh, we were all waiting Steve for. Steve Smith, you know this. I love you, buddy. You like that speech. I do. I fucking hated that I do. speech. If you're not on Instagram, you can't tell people they're being immature on Instagram. That whole speech started because he unfollowed the fucking Cardinals on Instagram. Steve, I love you, I, too. I love it. Fucking A, Steve, I'd love to have you in the chair and have a conversation with you. But my thing is is that was clearly some stuff that was built up from before. Because if I'm Josh Rosen, why would I want to follow any social media of the Arizona Cardinals? Do you know that the Arizona Cardinals changed their social handle to we drafted Kyler Murray? So you're telling me that no. I had five guys drafted at offensive tackle. Do you don't think I realize competition? Uh, yeah, but you weren't in the Twitter, but, Instagram and days. And I was a fifth-round guy. Uh, what, you're right. going to get sensitive now? No, but who's saying that's sensitive? I'm saying that if you know that a team is trying to trade you, yeah. they know that you know that they're trying to yeah. trade you, and they're going to move on. If you know, if I know that my fiancé is going to break up with me, and she's I'm posting on Instagram— She's posting on Instagram pictures with other guys. I'm not giving them the Fuck victory. Fuck that. I am not Get giving them the win. Here. Absolutely not. Dude, just because unfollow people were just waiting. People were just waiting for that to happen. No, the real thing is, is why are we why are we going on NFL Network and going, breaking news, he's unfollowed no, someone on Instagram. I'm not saying that, Get breaking news. I don't care. Here. I'm just saying I love what Steve said. I loved exactly what he said because it's the truth. Do you really believe if Josh Rosen stayed that he could have competed with Kyler for the starting job? That's your job. But do you believe that he would have had it? Everybody in the world knew that Josh Rosen was going to be on the Cardinals. Prove him wrong. The Seattle Seahawks paid Flynn and drafted Russell Wilson in the third round. 
and they had another quarterback in Jackson. Yeah, but Russell Wilson was not drafted first overall, and Matt Flynn was not drafted top 10 the year before. How often does that pan out? Does it always work? No. I just think that— I, I think by him doing that, he fed right into the stereotype of Would you agree he that he's handled everything perfectly afterwards? What? He gave the little video, did a little speech, his press conferences in Miami. I think he was excited that I was happy that he went to Larry Fitzgerald charity event on Saturday. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what he should do. But to feed into it, it was my, my, everything he didn't need to my, do. My question is this about Josh Rosen. We keep listening to these fucking college coaches talk about what these personalities are like, but we have... I've met them. But we, okay. Well, I've then, met them in person. And what do you think about them? I, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know if he was telling me what he truly believed or not. Because I think you just have in the back of your head, you've read all these reports, you've heard all these no. things about how he's perceived no, to no, be no. this guy. I, I've, I've met him before. I've watched his film at US, UCLA. I've talked to people that know him. I've heard his interview that what brings out a real passion in you, and I've heard him say tennis. Like, really, you're a starting quarterback in the NFL and you're saying tennis? I don't care if you say that, oh, well, I don't need football. Well, it's because guys are sleeping in a locker room. If you love football, you don't ever fucking say that. When you are 100% invested, especially at the quarterback position, you don't say that. Think about Johnny Manziel. Do you think Johnny Manziel is a sophomore in college, has a Rolex presidential on his wrist? He's really concerned if this doesn't work out. Do you think if Josh Rosen so doesn't succeed Rosen in football? because Rosen grew up in an affluent household. I agree. I That's think the is. issue? I do. Because if you think that this doesn't work out and if adversity hits, that he can walk away and it's no big deal to him. Patrick he's Mahomes' dad secure. was a professional athlete. He so grew up what? in an affluent household. Yeah, but he was raised differently. You can hear in the way that he talks and the way that he presents himself and the way that he handled the challenge of I last year. I think Eli year Manning is the same way Alex as Josh Smith. Rosen. How? I think they both grew up silver spoon in their mouth. I don't know. I'm just trying to fuck <laughs> No, but I— I'm waiting for it. But I, I look at this with Rosen. I think that that football guys have taken this narrative and they've run with it and that's who he is. I don't think Josh Rosen's a baby anymore. Okay. He's been in the NFL for a year. He's just been shit on for a year and a half straight. Through the whole draft process last year and a year, he's been told how much of a fucking baby he is. Personally. Did he not bring it upon himself? No, I do not think so. What did he do? What's one thing he did in Arizona that deserved it? Now, I'm not saying Arizona. I'm not saying Arizona before that. What did he do? Any of the interviews, any of the stuff that he what came did he do out, in the, interviews? the complaining and the nonchalant, that stuff, it didn't drive you crazy. No. Did you, would you ever hear Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold or any of those guys do the interviews that he did? I don't and know. And act that way. I Honestly, just, I don't know. Well, no, because I don't think he's done anything wrong. Like, I obviously, I'm not there with the coaching interviews. If he's there and he's, like, rolling his eyes and acting like a douche or whatever, that's fine. Like, I haven't seen that. I just, to me, it's, it's a storyline that Steve wanted to talk about last year during the draft. That's what it sounded like. It, it sounded like he was like, oh, because I just, I look at how he handled it. I know people on the Cardinals team. Yeah. They tell me that he's been a great teammate. They said from the moment he stepped in the huddle, he had command of the team. And so, well, I mean, you kind of have to when you're thrust into that position. I just think more's being made, and okay. I, as, as I said on the last podcast, I did. I've called, I'm rooting was, for Josh Rosen okay. to have a better career than Kyler Murray. I'm rooting for that because I wanted to prove everybody wrong. And, and I will say this to go along with that: I've called Arizona Cardinals games. I've walked off of the field on Friday watching yeah. practice. 
maybe two cameras, seven media people. Uh, that's just sitting there while you're tying your shoes at a Giants practice or when you're at any other big oh, place. Oh, yeah. There's 30 cameras. Yeah. There's over 100 media, and they're all just sitting so there. So what was the vibe of the team you. when you were asking about Josh then? What do you mean? Like about Rosen as like a teammate and all that, as a leader. What were they saying? They, I mean, on and off, honestly. Some said that they bought in. Some say, uh, Do you believe that much. all this criticism can help him like I do? I hope so. Because if you're getting this much shit thrown at you and you don't respond, you never will for the rest of your life. Yeah. So that's why you hope that it, it makes people open their eyes. Every and I'm not, try- while- I'm not trying to devalue your agreement with Steve Smith because you, no, no, no. you both share one thing in common. Y'all had to fucking fight. Damn right. And so when you have to fight and you have a guy that went seventh overall and then goes, I want to go to a better situation, you go, no, you – both of you, you are coming from the same situation. experience. But what I'm telling you is we, we all know the quarterback position is different. And it's different in two ways. You get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But if it starts to turn, you get fucking yeah. amazed. When I'm the saying team wins, you're part much. of it. When you lose, it's your fault. Yeah, and, and I get I, it. And I would just go, they knew that Steve Wilkes wasn't the guy halfway through the year. Yeah. We were in week we knew nine. Before that, that it was we were in week nine, and they were going – just by the way he doesn't control the no, team, he you needs could tell to go. right away that it didn't work. His out. number one wide receiver is like a, a thousand years old, yeah. And Larry Fitzgerald, his number two receiver, Christian Kirk, got broke his leg in the Green Bay Packer game. His offensive line had nobody, nobody and yeah. then all of the nobodies got hurt. Yeah. Not you, Justin Pugh. I apologize. We love you, Justin. Yeah, but I, I look at that situation. And I go. We can come up with all these reasons to defend Josh Allen having on and off games. We're okay with Sam Darnold missing five games in the middle of the okay year and come back and being more under control. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're okay with Lamar Jackson really not being able to, to hit receivers on the outside. But God forbid Josh Rosen, who has zero help around him. I mean, his number one receiver was for a time was Ricky Seals-Jones. Nice. Who now people are realizing he's not even a starting tight end anymore. So I just... I get it. I get it. And he, he did show toughness sitting in there playing under this past season. Yeah, I just with nobody I think he's getting a fucking bad I mean, the worst worst offense in the NFL. Yes. I mean, how do you really sit there and determine? Not only were they the worst offense. Let's hear it. I went through it because I do all this stuff. They had the worst passing offense. I do all this stuff. Oh, the worst rushing offense. Worst rushing and the offense. worst rushing defense. Yep. And they were the worst scoring. Yep. Oh, it's just Steve Kime. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I just want to see if there's anything else. I'm. Did you see the video of DK Metcalf? Uh, yeah, when he went his shirt there? off with Pete Carroll. I love Pete Carroll. Another Croatian, by the way. Is he and really? has the same birthday as me, September 15th. Wow. I celebrated birthdays with good old Pete Carroll. Pete won. Looks good for it 70 looks good. plus. Rocks the Nike Monarchs. He's a baller. He does write the Nike Monarchs. He's a baller. Uh, and then, you know what? If Doug Baldwin is indeed calling it a career, he's another guy in the Steve Smith mold. Overworked, underappreciated, man. That guy did everything. Once again, guy got a situation, maximized it to the best that he could, earned everything that he absolutely got in the the league. We are going to have later this week, you guys really enjoyed Warren Sharp, and I'm hoping to get him back during the season to do the betting thing with me. If you saw the series on Showtime action where he and his guy Crack, who you need to watch this. They're in Vegas, and this guy Crack 
is this bigger guy from New Jersey, lives in Vegas, professional gambler. He'll go in there. I've seen it on action. He's on the on, action show. I've seen the crack. I'm having them both in studio Wednesday. Well, I'm coming back. And so I want to talk to them about season long, like lines and all that. But also, I want to know what it's like to walk up to a Vegas window. And, just and, whatever, and whatever you bet 30 grand on, they change the line. I've never had I've, that. Power. I saw that when he was doing it on the computer in the line. That's, that's what he does. That's insane. So I want to ask him about that. But we're going to talk more about win totals. The team that is expected to win the most games is the Patriots, okay. according to Caesars. They're at 11. Under that, you have three teams at 10.5 Chiefs, Rams, Saints. Chargers are at 10. And then everybody else is nine and a half or lower. So the five teams expected to win the most games next year. Patriots. Patriots and Chiefs, two teams in the AFC Championship. Rams, Saints, two teams in the NFC Championship. And the Chargers. Okay. Of those five, who do you think could fall? We talked about the Chiefs. Saints. Saints field, I that was the first team, and the Rams feel that way to me too. I think Seattle's gonna shock a lot of people in that division. Yeah. Interesting. Young interjection full of life people not expecting too much out of them yeah so i would say out of those saints rams and then what were the other three saints rams chiefs chargers chargers and page you think the chargers could fall out fall out so you're going the opposite of me yeah you think that what philip rivers just regresses a little bit more Uh, i think just with the competition and division i think it's not going to be as easy as it was last year i i'm looking at the rams right now I don't think that they're going to have anywhere near the season that they have. Think about how many guys they lost. The whole swagger thing. You know, going into this past season, they thought they were indestructible until they got into the playoffs and they realized they can't play the same way that they played going in. I don't think that they have near the type of season. So I'm going for them definitely under. My my issue with them is I I do like Taylor Rapp, the safety they drafted, and they did need to replace uh, a safety back there with LaMarcus Joyner leaving. David Long, they get a cornerback. It made sense. Bobby Evans, an offensive lineman. But I know their offensive line was such shit at the end of the year. Yeah. And their starting left guard, center right guard right now is Joseph Noteboom, Brian Allen, Austin Blythe. Right now. They are in a weak spot. Yep. Sue is not coming back. I don't think they're that deep on the D-line. And I think that Blythe had a good season last year, but I also think that part of it was Sullivan playing the right. way that he did last and year. And they also lost Roger Saffold. Roger Saffold. And they lost Sullivan and Who has Saffold. been their most consistent player on the offensive line for years. So I look at them and go, you know what? Also, when you play Belichick, he puts out the blueprint. Yep, a how to beat you. And... We're not going to see, like for a lot of teams, you face Belichick. The next three weeks, everyone runs the same game plan, and then you adjust. The Rams are coming in with an entire offseason of everyone studying the Super Bowl. Exactly. And I think that's a huge thing. Also, when they drafted Daryl Henderson, the running back out of Memphis. I didn't understand that. It made me wonder, what the fuck is up with Todd Gurley's Yeah, I didn't understand it. Because if you're taking that early of a pick when you have that many other needs. And you have Todd Gurley. There's got to be an issue. And you I mean, have Malcolm I Brown. Figure, I think Malcolm Brown's a great backup. I, and I do, too. But figure this entire time, oh, Gurley's knee's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Obviously, there's something wrong yeah. with it more than we thought. And, and for, like we were talking about, I just don't think that they have the type of season, especially when you look at what the New England Patriots did defensively. 
Think about all the motions, all the shifts, all the things yeah. that the Los Angeles Rams do on the offensive side of the ball. The minute that that motion happened and that game came off the line of scrimmage, they were peppered by a defensive end, a linebacker, a safety that completely disrupted the entire timing of what they wanted to do offensively to not have the time for golf to be able to drop back. I thought it was the perfect type of defense. I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes. One other thing happened that I want to get to before we go. A tradition unlike any other. The Jim Ursay draft call. Man! Jim Irsay here, I, I, are you kidding me? Are you ready to come in and win a Lombardi? you got to get out there and prove it every single day in practice. So. Hey, Rock, how are you, He's man? He's the man. And I want to give a shout-out to our guy, Pat McAfee, who announced the pick. The orangutan. Incredible. He nailed he killed it. it. So he actually, I FaceTimed him earlier in the day, and he was like, oh, I'm ready to go. He killed it. I was like, it. do you have a whole thing? He's like, I got my notes he ready. He killed it. He he's done stand up comedy. Yeah. So he was yeah, not yeah, afraid yeah. of that. He was but not that afraid was... of the crowd. And then the thing with Ursa, I will say this, he has one of the coolest for me in rock and roll and music. Yeah. He's got one of the greatest music rock and roll collections. I mean he has Jerry Garcia's have you seen guitar. It? Yeah, he's got it all up there in, in Indianapolis. And I went on a visit and he showed it to me. I mean to see like a Hendrix guitar, a Jim uh, a Jerry Garcia guitar to hear who all this rock That's and roll the, memorabilia. The McAfee always incredible. does the impersonation be like David, I have this guitar it's left he's got handed. tiger he's got tiger which is jerry's guitar it has wow. a tiger in it it to have and own that is in itself so you're a big incredible. rock guy yeah yep. number one rock band of all time mm, led zeppelin mm, i go over stones stones yeah. you're still a mick jagger dancing out oh, there I love it. i've read too many books about the stones. yeah i'm sure you get yeah. loose like mick out there oh, arms man. flailing that's it, that's right up your alley yeah man because they just didn't give any f's no you know what i mean no but no. Led Zeppelin, okay. Yeah. Anyone else? Uh, else crack the top. Traffic, but that's only one. Would you that's play? Steve Winwood who Clapton. controlled the music in the Giants' locker room? We didn't have in the locker room. You had your headphones. Coach Coughlin did not want <laughs> a surround sound system because it only brings up arguments. Who wants to listen to what? I had seriously. I had my playlist all lined up. Everything in the last song. Before I'd say prayers for my pops coming out, I'd listen to Last of Mohicans. Mm. That was my thing coming out. I have my, my dad's initials on my gloves, and I'd roll out, man. Damn. Yeah. Ready to just take Ready to roll, man. some ass. Yep. Feels good. Good to have you back, bro. Always a pleasure, brother. Uh, last thing, I guess, just for the Giants fans out there. Giants fans are getting shit on a lot right now. Yeah. In the office, wherever I go, people are like, man, can you believe the Giants? They're saying it to me, too. What would you tell Giants fans to give them a little bit of happiness? Because I don't want this to be a bashing of No, Daniel absolutely, Jones. and it's not. And it's not, and like we said, it's not Daniel, Daniel Jones's fault. Yeah. But he's going to have to step up and rise to the occasion. But what would you tell Giants fans to make them happier? I mean, trust the process. That's the only thing I can so say. You're going to steal our life. I am. I'm going to steal Sixers. yours. I'm going to steal your trust the process. And I'm going to say, listen, at the end of the day, these picks and this draft will determine the future of Dave Gettleman and the Giants organization. So if he's fully invested in yeah. this and believes in it wholeheartedly, which – we all know that he does the work. He's done the homework. They didn't want to lose this. They felt that he was their guy. And when you do that, you go grab him, regardless of what the media thinks, regardless of what anybody on the outside thinks. Yeah. And you analyze it that way. The only thing we can say is the future will predict itself on whether that pick was worth it or not. I will say that if I'm a Giants fan, and you can start playing the music, we're going to wrap this up. The thing that I love is if you were unsure about Gettleman and you were like, I don't want to go through all this again, 
what he just did was pretty much give himself an expiration date or a success date Yeah, where he made a decision that if it doesn't go right, you guys move on to the yeah. next guy. And everybody and wanted okay. a quarterback. Every Giants fan wanted a quarterback. Yeah. How many people were saying that a fifth-round gem out of myself in the 2003 draft would start 160 games and win two Super Bowls? How about Not that? many. Not and who that. wrote up my report? Dave Gettleman. Did he really? Yeah. So maybe he knows a thing or two. Every once in a while, yes, he does. We'll check it in three years, Dave. That's apparently when you want us to check. <laughs> David Deal, I'm the L-E-F-K-O-E man. We will holler at you guys later. Be well, guys.